BBM B-U-L-O-V-A Bulova Watch Time. This Christmas, buy her the new Bulova President. Curved to fit the foot. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. You know what? Some of our listeners might be having turkey as they listen to this. So, um, hey everybody, enjoy your turkey. Get that tryptophan going. Where a trip to where? Get it, get get the tryptophan going. Is that is that what people call fanwood for short? Uh I'm taking a trip to fan. You puzzle me. You know, fanwood up there in the Scotch Plains metro area. But, um, yeah, so that's what might be happening. So, um, anyway, um, in case you don't know what you downloaded or clicked on to stream, uh, you are listening to the pie factory podcast and I am the moderator for this week. Um, I am be puzzled, Sean, be puzzled, Sean, and, uh, the other person who will be talking to you this particular episode. Who are you, other person? Well, if you are the moderator, then I guess I would be the radicalator. And uh, my name is Jimmy G. And quite the radicalator you are. Why, thank you, my good man. So what has been going on with your life, especially if it's gaming-related in the past couple of weeks? Been still playing uh, the Stranger Things game on my phone. and uh, Ah, yes, I finally watched the first ever episode of Stranger Things. So That um, is a great show. I've yet to see season two, but um, the game is really good, and I'm, again, stuck on, I guess it's a boss battle. You're in a room with a bunch of... Uh, Bosses. But, well, well, yeah, a bunch of uh, secret, not a bunch of agents, but a bunch of government agents that uh, you have to somehow uh, kill by making them walk into lasers, and uh, your only weapon to be able to do this with is uh, pudding cups. Oh. Interesting. And uh, yes, it's uh, the pudding cups actually kind of works like the uh, the bait does in the Legend of Zelda. And as I said before, this game is very Legend of Zelda ish, and it's very eight bit ish. And uh, I noticed there's a, there's an arcade in the game, and there's some video games <laughs> in the movie theater in the game. And one of the games in both the arcade and the theater is Polybius. So, of course. And um, oh, dude, uh, they have a Polybius at Underground Retrocade as we speak. I saw that, and I got to get up there to play it. Yeah, I thing is, I'm thinking of going the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I hope he still has it then. And I still have to claim whatever my prize is for winning the AM division of uh, the um, Gravity Tournament that the Retrocade had, too, so I got to get out there. But my overall thought on Stranger Things so far is... If you had told me what Stranger Things was about before I ever watched it, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. But since I actually just decided, you know what, I'm going to watch this, see what it's all about. I'm glad I did. I think it was a worthwhile investment of uh, my 44 minutes or however long it was. I just like how they got the whole uh, era of the 80s like correct in that. I described the series to people as um, if Steven Spielberg directed a screenplay by Stephen King produced by George Romero or something like that. It, 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 was, it was something like that, but there, there's influences from Spielberg, Romero, and Stephen King all over that series. And I just I just enjoy it. I think they really did that show up right. And I have nothing further to add, I ah. might say. Uh, I've been playing phone, uh, at least a phone game, because I get to spend some quality time on Chicago Transit Authority vehicles, both uh, 
uh, trains and buses, depending on uh, the situation. Uh, due to a injury I caused myself, I haven't been on my bike in a while except for short Uh-oh. trips. So I, didn't, I haven't been taking my bike to work. So I've been taking public transit and I've been playing this uh, little time passy game called Quadris. It's basically Tetris, except the pieces don't rotate and you actually manually position them. Manually position them. Yeah, as opposed to they they don't fall down. You actually put them into where you want them to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of games like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's both fun and annoying at the same time because you can't really get a high score. Oh? Like, the highest score you can get is, like, 900 before just everything just, like, piles up on you and you can't go any further. It's like, ah! Well, that sucks. I mean, it's not like they intentionally do it. It's just more like the luck of the draw with the pieces you get, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, that and uh, have you been playing non-phone games? Besides what ah. we're going to talk about for this particular episode. Well, I've been playing Cuphead on my yeah, What's computer. the deal with that? Everybody's talking about that, but I haven't really seen. Because I don't, I don't have a PC. I don't have any consoles that would play it. Are you sure? I could have sworn you could play it on Mac. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it's $20 in the, uh, in the Steam store. And it's... The animation, the way I understand it, it's all hand animated, all the graphics, and they look exactly like the way a cartoon would be in the uh, in the in the twenties and thirties. You know how like in Steamboat Willie and all those, the characters when they're standing still, they like like they bounce like up and down and stuff like that. Uh-huh. The characters act like that. The animation is incredible. The animation is actually as good as the the stuff that Disney was putting out like in the 30s and 40s. It's really, really awesome animation. Uh, it, the game is hard as hell, and it, it's got a m- multiple different styles like run and gun type, mm. like Contra, and side scrolling shooter like uh, Gradius uh, or Nemesis, as some people pronounce it. And um, it's just a really, really fun game. The music is so good. They actually released the uh, the soundtrack separately, and again, it's uh, it's like the the kind of music they would play in cartoons from that era. It's really good. Hmm. Um, it's really fun. It's it's and it's not that expensive, which is amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, and um, I'm on the Steam store right now, and it's for Windows minimum Windows Seven. And I did find a YouTube link that says how to play Cuphead in Mac, but I don't know if I'd trust it. So next time you're uh, over at my place, you'll have to you'll have to play it unless I can get my laptop working, in which case you can play it on that. Mm-hmm. I, I might not be able to because I think it requires a three. Uh, uh, Actually, I might still have a Windows Virtual Machine on my. Thingy. But I th- it requires a pretty beefy computer, like three gigahertz, hmm. um, minimum, I believe. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, I've also uh, found out that one of my favorite PC games from back in the '90s, the Commander Keen series, is available on the Steam Store for uh, like five bucks, and so I purchased that and started playing that. Oh, the memories! I, I, that was such a simpler time, and uh, I just loved those games. That and the original Duke Nukem games, not Duke Nukem 3D. That was actually the third game in the series, and the first two were like. CGA, EGA, graphic, side-scrolling games in which you can uh, shoot everything. and uh, Those were really fun games, and I'm looking for those. Uh, I want to play those again. And then, of course, I've got uh, I've got uh, the game Jazz Jackrabbit here on CD, but I can't get it to run properly on my computers. I haven't tried on my new Windows 10 computer yet, hmm. but, um, but there, I guess there's a... I guess nothing. There was a, an engine that somebody designed 
for uh, Windows PCs where you can use the original data files from a legally purchased CD, which I have, actually. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I've never been able to get that going correctly. But I uh, haven't played much on my 7800 because, well, for obvious reasons, still getting the uh, getting mine looked at. And I think I gave him <laughs> your power supply to test it with. Ah. Um, I think mine is downstairs with the... Uh, the rest of my uh, Atari stuff. Yeah. And I haven't touched my Sega Master System in a while, and I need to do that again. And, well, uh, I played some games on my 7800. Well, specific, I think the only one I actually played, though, was Crystal Quest, the new homebrew from uh, Bob DiCrescenzo, the Bentley Bear Crystal Quest, that is the unofficial sequel to uh, Crystal Castles. Mm-hmm. And I did a Facebook live stream because I wanted to get some, uh, I wanted to see if I, how much of the game I could actually get through. And I rage quit my first attempt because I was convinced that there was no possible way to get past the second level until I watched Trevor's video of it on YouTube and I found out how to get past Berthilda on the second level and I figured that out. And I was having a lot of fun after that and I found the secret level. I wasn't even looking for it and I found it. So I was like, whoa. So I impressed myself. Was it just a, a place you had to go to or did you have to uh, do something special to get there? Well, thing is, I was looking for a warp because I think all except the last level has a warp. I know I found one or two of the warps. Yeah. Yeah, I found the level one warp, but I was I was on a certain level looking for a warp and I found the hidden game instead. But um rumor hidden has game? it that the hidden level. Oh, you said hidden game. I'm yeah, like, what? Hidden There's level. a hidden game hidden also. Level, yeah. I hope it's a, the original Crystal yeah. Castles. Yeah, level six. And oh, okay. And uh, rumor has it that uh, the uh, folks over at the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast are going to talk about it and maybe explain how to get to the secret level. Oh, dude, dude, Dude. listen to this. You know, for the past two or three years, I mentioned how there is a barcade that opened up in my neighborhood. It's called Replay. I finally went. My wife and I had lunch there, and she understood that I that while we were there, I would need to partake in some video gaming, which she was totally okay with. So uh, they don't have a heck of a lot of games, but they have a really small selection. But it's actually a pretty uh, nice variety, though. That's uh, yeah. pretty much core classics. Okay. Not all the core classics, of course. Uh, they have a uh, Ms. Pac-Man Turbo. They have Moonwalker. Uh, what else do they have? They have a couple of more modern, uh, uh, racing games. I think they have some of the newer Stern pinball machines. Oh, nice. And, uh, the games run free play except for the pinball machines, understandably, because those things are expensive. Oh. Aren't they like eight, $9,000, maybe more? Maybe more. I seem to remember hearing about how one of those new Stern machines costs like well into the tens of, into the 10,000 range. Wow. Yeah, you definitely can't put those on free play. Yeah, and not only that, but you can't just go over to Stern and say, I want to buy this. You actually have to write an essay explaining why you deserve the opportunity to buy it. Oh, wow. I don't remember which one that was, and I don't know how true that is. It's what I heard. Because Stern's been cranking out some kick-ass pinballs Oh, lately. yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Batman, what was it, Batman 60? Oh, that Batman machine. That is so cool. That it is Batman so machine cool. was going to go down as one of the best pinballs ever made. Yeah, and, um, and then the, of course there's the Ghostbusters one based with on yeah. the, uh, the the only uh, Ghostbusters movie that was ever made. I heard there was a sequel and a remake, but I can't confirm that. 
and um, I can't deny it. But uh, yeah. yeah, they replay then, has the uh, Ghostbusters they, they, one and, uh, the, and the new Kiss one. Oh, that, they have a new Kiss one. Yeah, hmm, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I played that at the Pinball Hall of Fame too. Oh, that's right. You were saying that. I didn't realize that was a new one. I know they had one like in the seventies or eighties. Yeah, there's a newer one. Yeah, if it was up to uh, God, what the hell is the guy's name? Gene. Uh, His name is Kyam. Kyam. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who plays bass for Kiss. Yeah. Yeah, if if it wasn't for, uh, if, for it wasn't, if Gene Simmons had his way, he'd introduce a new uh, Kiss pinball machine every every year. So as if as long as it made him money, yeah, yeah. Did you see that they sell that Kiss actually sells um, air guitar strings? Really? Yes, they they really sell air guitar strings. Oh, it's just grief. an empty plastic bag. Jeez, it's with the Kiss logo on it. I'm not making that up. I guess it's a funny gag gift in a way. And it's not that expensive. It's like two, three bucks, something like that. But my my brother was the biggest Kiss fan from probably the mid seventies until the late eighties, and I think in the last ten years or so, he just wants nothing to do with them at all, just because yeah. of how commercial and corporate they've they've become. I mean, they always were, but I mean, he, it's to the extreme now. I I was never a huge fan of Kiss. I thought they were okay. They had a few songs that I liked, like "I Want to Rock and Roll All Night" and "Part of Every Day." But, yeah. uh, oh, I'm sorry, and party every day. I always get that mixed up. And uh, then there was Beth and uh, one or two others, but for the most part, they're eh. Destroyer by Kiss is one of my all-time favorite albums. Really? Yeah. I've never heard the album all the way through. It's it's really, It kicks ass. Wait, it really is it, which one is that one? Uh, that's the one with Detroit Rock City and Beth. And Okay, um, you know what? I have heard that album all the way through. It's been a long, long time, but I have heard that one. Yeah, it's from 76, I think. Yes, I have heard that one. It was the neighbor kid had it. But anyway, I played three games at replay because I didn't want to just, I didn't want to keep uh, the missus waiting. She would, And just like any other time, I've been somewhere where the two of us were together and there were arcade games. She gravitated towards Centipede. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit of that. The trackball suddenly stopped working properly. Like I couldn't go up and down properly. It's like mm-hmm. they needed to clean the trackball. Uh, I played a few rounds of joust because I'm trying to figure out how to improve my score in there. Uh, some advice I got was the Jason Latko strategy of if you fly, you die. So I, I've been trying that. Like basically just stay in one place right underneath a platform. So. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you kind of limit yourself and you limit your enemies and things. And that works up to a certain point for me. I got to do some more studying, but I played a little bit of that and, uh, the control panel was sticky. I'll bet somebody spilled beer on it at some point. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. And, unfortunately. Um, let's see. What else did I play? The, I, and I played their donkey Kong machine the donkey Kong machine. They obviously had a replacement joystick on it because it was slightly bigger than the Nintendo one. I think it was uh, bigger and taller and, uh, the jump button didn't work so well. I didn't even make it to the first elevator screen, which is unusual for me. Which is so, usual for me. But now I can blame it on the jump button, so I've exactly. got an excuse now. So I left a message on their Facebook thing, and they got back to me about a week later and said, hey, thanks for letting us know. We're going to have our we're, – we, we're supposed to have our repair people over on such and such a day. We'll let them know about the issues that you are having. So, hey, come on out and see us again, blah, blah, nice. blah, blah. Always – no matter what arcade you go to, do not be ashamed or do not be scared to tell the people that run the joint that there's a problem with the machine. Either they'll look at it right away or they'll take it out of circulation until they can such time as they can get it fixed. But they care because they care about the arcade experience. 
They don't want you to be unsatisfied with uh, with their services. More than any other business, the modern day arcade, the exception of like the big like Dave and Buster's, but even them, I think, do to a point. They care about their customers. Really, did they really yeah. do? And if, and, if um, nothing else, they care about keeping the machines in shape because they understand the importance of that. You know. Well, that's their bread and butter, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's gone... just like a, a funeral home director doesn't want to bury people that are alive. I mean, what kind of an experience well, is that? No, that that would be a very unfortunate and very inconvenient to say the least. Extremely inconvenient. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so, far, I mean, I haven't gone back yet to like check it out, see if did see if they followed through yet. But uh, but yeah, I mean. I, if 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 uh, you heard episode nine uh, when Scott Lambert from Underground Retrocade was was our guest, I think he even says there, please let the arcade operator know if there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, if there's anything wrong with the games because they want to know, they want to make sure everything's up and running. Doc mm-hmm. makes the same plea at uh, please no David Bowie references, but at Ground K O N T R O L in Portland, they actually have signs up. If you find anything wrong with the machines, please let us know. They have like a little suggestion box for that. And of course, at the Pinball Hall of Fame, I talked about how the home version of the Elton John Captain Fantastic pinball table was stuck on giving a bonus play mm-hmm. every time. So you'd never lose, you'd never, the game would never end. It would just keep going on forever. And I told uh, one of the staffers over there, and she dropped everything and ran over to the machine to check it out. Oh. You were talking about ground control. Did you hear, uh, might have been three episodes ago, um, uh, Ten Pence? Yes, I did. Did you hear that episode where they actually went to uh, to ground control? Yeah. Well, Victor That did. was a good episode. Um, they're expanding over there, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, Sounds like it's a different place from when I last saw it. Yeah, and uh, that was that was an interesting interview they did with the uh, with the owner of the joint about how they had to get by like different regulations to get the arcade opened and all that. So yeah. give that a listen to. Doc had to do the same thing too. That's why he's on the uh, uh, one price play all you want model because otherwise it would have been considered a violation of gaming laws with really? coin operated games. I think he said that that's why he has the model he did. Now, Doc is not the originator of that model, I guarantee you, because for one thing, I know Silverball in Asbury Park, New Jersey, they've been operating on that kind of model for longer than Galloping Ghost has been around. And to be fair, I think the arcades are making a lot more money off of that model than they do the the coin Mm, in. It depends. Like, if I go in and I play Turbo Miz Pac-Man or Turbo Junior Pac-Man, one game for me is going to last a couple hours, probably. Yeah, I guess it really does depend on the person playing, but I know for a fact that if you if you extrapolate, not extrapolated, but if the if if you figure one token per game, there's no way I'm playing twenty dollars worth of games anymore when I go. Well, yeah, yeah, but the thing is, like, let's say that I decide to play only Defender and nothing else. I guarantee you that arcade would be more profitable on a per play cost for me than a pay one price cost true true because i is very true. i suck so much on defender like pretty uh, how much about lunar lander in the world oh lunar lander they're they're basically screwed either way because i'm not going to play it oh well there you go <laughs> every game is per play except for lunar lander pay 20 bucks you can play it all day yep <laughs> that would be a great april fool's joke but hey, uh, we should probably link the uh, ground control episode of Ten Pence in the show notes. We probably should. 
and I'll toss a link to Replay Andersonville in the show notes. I, I don't know if their Lakeview uh, location in Boys Town is still open yet. They might be still there. I don't know. But, uh, oh, well, that's what we have there. Um, so is there anything else we should talk about, uh, Jimmy G, before we continue on with further stuff? Uh, I don't think I have any news, okay. so to speak. But again, as we said, one thing I mentioned in our last episode, and I'm going to reiterate it again here, uh, if your local arcade or any arcade has a Facebook page that you know of, like it and take advantage of the, the, the discounts and the contests they got running. It's worth your while. Just going to throw that out there again. I think that's very important to, to show your arcades that you really support uh, support their business and support their mission. Oh, yeah. They want to get you in and they want to make you a happy customer. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, Onet Gaming, uh, I was just looking at their site the other day, and up until am I remember thinking something, but they're having a, a special sale for uh, members. They got a like a they got like a discount club, and uh, they're having a special sale on uh, all the games in their store. Well, not all the games, but ones that are marked with a certain thing, with a certain label. But at that uh, the the discount deal is only good for members of their club. Mm. Or I can't remember what it's called, and. Um, you know, Pixel Blast, always uh, giving away yeah, free day passes. Yeah, as of this passes. recording, their most recent uh, free day pass contest was, uh, who's your? F- you had to respond with who your favorite monster is from the Pac-Man series, and for a bonus point, yep. what color was that monster? Oh, and speaking of which, um, the one that I submitted was Yum Yum from Junior Pac-Man, and that was an easy one because I chose that as one of my favorite vid- arcade video game characters when we were guests on Super Podcast Brothers. Uh, this is this is Lincoln old show news to anybody who listens to Super Podcast Brothers by now, because that episode has already um, been released. I guess I should say there's at least six people that listen to that podcast: me, you, and George, we're three of them: uh, George, uh, Greg, and uh, Tim and Andy. So there's at least six hmm. people that listen to it. At least, yeah. At least, does a sexy voice lady listen? I think she might just feign listening. Kind of just like a booth announcer feigns listening to our show. No, she she doesn't even feign listening to our show. Oh, she doesn't. It's no. just a paycheck to her, huh? Just a paycheck. Yeah. Oh, okay. But hey, I mean, I don't. We didn't ask any more. That's we true. We just said here, say this crap, and and there we go. Here's your. Check. What's my motivation? Your motivation is twenty bucks. Yep. <laughs> But hey, um, oh, you know what? Um, let's uh, go into Addenda and Errata, shall we? Sure. I am thinking of someday actually performing the Adet Love theme from Addenda and Errata live in concert. So, oh, uh, really? So, uh, we'll have to get Scattered Frog together. Keep uh, keep listening to the Pie Factory podcast for further details. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I would love to get together with Andy Ryerson and perform the Metal L. Oh, yeah. That that sounded so awesome. That was but, neat. But, uh, hey, going into uh, Addenda and Errata, we heard from uh, Vertvik, who is Ooh. of the Tenpence Arcade. Persuasion. And uh, let's see, we got a tweet from him. Yeah, he says, Rally X was a cream collard cow. Collard cow. Collard? C-O-L-O-U-R-E-D, Colloward. Colloward. Not white. I thought he was a a playwright, Noel Colloward. I I don't know, but uh, that goes back to episode 22. He's just uh, getting caught up, apparently. So, uh, yeah, thank you for it. You know what's weird is that you can actually hear Vertvik's accent in the tweet. You can actually hear his British accent. Really? 
Yes. No, I thought it sounded rather cockney to me. But uh, uh -oh. anyway, let's see. What else does uh, Vert Vic have to say? This is about episode 55 now. Galaxian is awesome. You lot are wrong. That is all. Yeah, I was wrong once, but it wasn't about that. <sighs> Galaxian is awesome? Yeah, I would go beyond saying Galaxian is awesome because it doesn't have some awe. It is full of awe. So I would say Aww. awe full. So here we go. Um, do you I have would any, say Galaxian is off some. Off some? Hmm. Off some what? Drugs. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know it's off some drugs. Yeah, it's off drugs. Yeah, it went yeah. cold turkey. Hmm. Which, oh, just like uh, how some people are going to be possibly enjoying this podcast while they're eating on a Friday. So. Exactly. Cold turkey. But that's got me on the run. So uh, do you have any <laughs> addenda and errata or either or, or or both? Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Nothing you can think of off the top of your head. Yep. And um, yeah, okay. So then, hey, why don't we talk about a couple of Vija games? Vija games? Vija games? Yeah. Video, video, video games. Hmm. So we got a couple to pick from here. And by the time we finish recording this, we will have talked about two. And we have exactly two in our list here. Two shall be the number we shall talk about. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't want me to do Monty Python references anymore. I thought there was that uh, lady from, uh, oh, what the heck's the name of that podcast? Uh, Please Stand By. Oh, no, that wasn't her. It sounded like her. That was the priest reading from the Book of Armaments, chapters 9 through 21. Oh, you know what? Verses 9 through 21. Yesterday, when I was walking to the, to the red line station after work, I almost got run down by a priest, or at least somebody dressed as a priest. He had the Roman collar on and everything. His vroom was right through the crosswalk when I was crossing. I was like, dude. <laughs> anyway, uh, getting back to the topic of this particular podcast, uh, what should we do? Should we do, uh, should we talk about my game first or your game first? Um, as the moderator tonight, I will offer you the choice. Let's talk about my game. Ooh, let's, let's, yes, let's. And, uh, there are no nuns in this game as far as I can tell. No, because it's, it's the other people. It's not sisters. What is it? It's brothers, Buster brothers or Ooh. pumping world or Peng. Um, yes, Buster Brothers slash Pomping World, which is the Japanese name, and Pang, which is the, I guess, the European name from what I can tell. Ah, um, Buster Brothers Pomping World Pang. It's from Capcom, 1989, and uh, I guess they licensed it from Mitchell Corp, 1989. Didn't we talk about Mitchell Corp before? Mitchell Corp, wow, even the name says, is that a beer? I wonder if it likes its scotch by the quart. I want to think we've talked about Mitchell Corp before. I on another know. game because it sounds familiar. I know we've done Mitchell jokes. We had to mention we had all right. Now here's the thing: early in the history of Pie Factory podcast, like in our first few episodes, we were kind of uh, rightfully criticized for forced humor, and the difference between forced humor and humor that you have to use. Forced humor is you're just making f humor out of it just because you can. But making Joe Don Baker references when <laughs> there's an important player called Mitchell, that is comedy you have to do. Indeed. You have to. Mitchell. So, at any rate, uh, it's a upright color raster game, and it's uh, two players simultaneous. And, of course, the machine has two four-way joysticks with a fire button for each player. 
in the game. You are a little anime-style guy who has a nice white safari outfit, which I believe safari outfits are normally like kind of tan or cream color normally, but let's go with this here. But anyway, he's uh, got a safari hat, and he's going around the world, or all around the world, to various locales, popping balloons with his harpoon gun. Each uh, screen can have ladders, platforms, breakable platforms, breakable platforms, icy platforms and such. Um, top of the screen, obviously your score, but there's also a timer at the top right. And as far as I can tell, uh, how much time you have per level varies uh, as to how complex the level is. Like the first screen, it's just you can go left or right and then just one big balloon and it's bumping up and down. It's nothing hard, but later on, you get some really complex levels where you have to uh, watch your navigation. As I was saying, you're going around the world, various locations, and the locations in the game are uh, Mount Fuji in Japan, uh, Mount Kirin, which that's somewhere in Asia, I don't know where that is, uh, the Temple of the Emerald Buddha, Angkor Wat, Ayers Rock, excuse me, Ayers Rock, or Uhuru, as they call it in Australia, the Taj Mahal in India, the greatest erection man has ever had for women since time immemorial. Uh, Leningrad. You have to find Par that bloopers album. Yep. Leningrad, Paris, London, Barcelona, Athens, Egypt, Kenya, New York City. Uh, and you can tell it's New York because of the uh, Statue of Liberty. And there's uh, the World Trade Center in the background. Um, except the Statue of Liberty is in New Jersey by technically. Technically. Yeah, that's a whole... That, the island is joint managed by both New York and New Jersey. The island itself is actually in the waters of New Jersey. But New York has claimed the island since the statues. They also claimed Ellis Island, by the way. But there's some bizarre way, bizarre thing that they both manage both Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty. It makes no sense to me. It, they both should be in New Jersey as far as I'm concerned. Um, and this, I'm, I'm a geography geek, so I can say that. Uh, then uh, the Mayan ruins in Mexico, Antarctica, and finally Easter Island. Uh, and there are th uh, three rounds in each location for a total of 51 rounds. Let me see. Now, your harpoon gun will fire one harpoon uh, with a wire attached at a time uh, unless a power-up is picked up. Now, say, Jim, what are these power-ups? Well, I'm glad you asked. These power-ups, first of all, you get a double wire, which allows you to fire two wires at once. You can get a power wire, which is a grappling hook that will stay attached to a ceiling or a unbreakable block for a short period of time, or unbreakable platform, I should say, for a short period of time. And I didn't know this, so I had to try it out. And it, it, this does indeed work. You can. What will happen is the power wire will disappear after a short period of time. It'll first turn yellow, and then it will turn red. However, if you constantly tap the fire button, you can actually uh, make that speed up, which is a good thing because you you can't actually shoot another power wire until the first one is gone. The um, demo mode of this game says a Vulcan missile. It looks just like a gun. It's a gun that fires dual rapid shots. You can just keep boom, 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 shooting everything. And uh, not necessarily a good thing, but it has its purpose. I do like, like it because it's just cool. Now, there is no limit to ammunition, to, uh, of the ammunition to any weapon, but if you do pick up the power wire, you'll lose the double wire. If you pick up the Vulcan missile, you will lose whatever else you have. It just, you know, it just switches uh, to whatever you pick up. Some pe I've read somewhere that if you have the double wire, you pick up the power wire, that you, you can shoot two power wires, but I have not seen that, and I have purposely gone out of my way looking for that, and I just have not seen that 
available. If that was true, that would make the game, I think, a little bit easier. There are some more special items. Uh, first of all, there's a force field that you can pick up that protects the player for one hit. And if uh, if a, a balloon or a, a, an enemy animal or whatever, yes, there are enemy animals in this, hits it, it will destroy that. Um, there's an hourglass which slows the balloons down, which it does so, but not a whole lot. You really got to pretty much pick up a lot of those to slow down the balloons. Uh, you can pick up a clock which will temporarily freeze the balloons. When you freeze the balloons, that is the time I love having the gun. Because then you can just go to town on those things and get as many of those out of the way as, you, as possible. And then, there's finally, there's dynamite that will pop all of the balloons on the screen to their smallest size. I try to avoid those unless I have almost all of the balloons down that low. Yeah, you can really is. put yourself in danger with that. Oh, yeah, especially if you get it, get it early in the game. That thing will trap you. You'll, <laughs> I find myself more often than not not trying to, or trying to avoid that, but catching myself between the, uh, the dynamite and the edge of the screen and only having a little bit of area to maneuver in. And um, sometimes you just have no choice but to pick it up, but really try to avoid that unless it's, like I said, really late in the level. Now, you have many different enemies in this game, believe it or not. I don't believe that. Well, believe it. Uh, you have balloons. You have large balloons, medium balloons, small balloons, and small balloons, and smaller balloons. The only thing in the game that kills the player is by touching a balloon. Nothing else kills you. So you got that going for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a while since I've said that. Uh, there are some animals in the game, and I tried to get a list of uh, the animals in the game. The only ones I could, the only ones, well, not the only ones, but I have. There are owls, hummingbirds, and firebirds. There are like snails. I, maybe they're closer to hermit crabs because the kind of shell they're in is kind like kind of one of those spirally, pointy shells. Uh, those climb up the side of the wall, go to the top of the screen, and will and will drop down on you. There are crabs, and um, and I did not realize this. I thought they were just a bonus item, but they actually, if they touch a balloon, they will pop the balloon. But they don't harm you at all. Every other enemy, if it touches you, makes it to where you cannot fire your harpoon for a short amount of time. Now, I did mention that there are platforms and, and destructible platforms in the game. There are actually destructible invisible platforms in the game. They're kind of small, and uh, what happens is when you shoot one of them, it will actually drop down a bonus item. The bonus items are all random, the way they appear. I've, there's, I haven't been able to find any sort of pattern to uh, the way they drop. That stuff is all random. So you could have one level where all, the only bonus item you get, let's say, is, um, is the force field. Others, you might get a, a nice mix. It just depends on the level. Although I want to think that maybe there's some sort of a... Uh, they uh, kind of tend to make some of the levels a little harder with uh, with how they drop certain things. Like, I have noticed in some levels an unusually high amount of the dynamite being dropped. So maybe it isn't as random as I think it is. Uh, that's, that, will de that demands further investigation. I investigated this game quite a bit. I'm not going to go in-depth into scoring because, quite frankly... Once I started doing that, I'm like, there's a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. But I do have some scoring for you. The base points for destroying the balloons, 
The big balloon is worth 50 points when you destroy it. Uh, the next size down is worth 100 points. And the next smaller size down is worth 150. And finally, the little ones, little tiny ones, are worth 200 points every time you destroy it. I did notice that there seems to be a bonus on those at some point during the levels where you can get 200 additional, 400, up to 1,600 additional points for destroying balloons, but I have not been able to find any rhyme or reason as to how that happens. If you destroy a destructible platform, you get 500 points, and you do get 100 points for each second left on the timer. I do? You do. Only you, though, Sean. Nobody else does. You you see, it knows when you're playing. So when Sean plays the game, he is the only one that gets those 100-point bonuses. Oh, that is awesome. I didn't even get him. It said uh, on the screen between levels, you know, your name isn't Sean. You don't get this bonus. I'm like, well, that's a total ripoff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, So there are also actually bonus items for uh, just points. Uh, Sometimes different bonus food items will fall, like, ice cream or a hot dog or on higher levels higher levels you will get a slice of cake the points range from like i think it was like 200 points is the lowest i saw all the way up to 50,000 points for a bonus item uh the slice of cake varies between 48,000 and 50,000 points now there were some sequels to this game there was Super Buster Brothers, which I played the other day as well, and that's a fun game. <laughs> then there's, in 1995, there's one called Buster Buddies, which I believe was uh, an arcade title. And then there's Mighty Pang. So, uh, insert dirty joke here. As far as ports go, the oldest classic systems that was on was the NES and the C64. The NES actually is an unreleased prototype, which I'm... Uh, interested in playing. Uh, I haven't actually gone to look for it as of yet. Uh, it was on the Commodore 64 under the name Pang uh, TurboGrafx 16 CD. Um, it was in the Buster Brothers collection for the Sony PlayStation. It's on the Game Boy and the PSP. This is interesting. Some, some trivia here. Just throw a little trivia. If you're playing two players at the same time, when either both players touch a balloon at the same time, only player one will lose a life. Player two will not. However, if both players touch a bonus or a weapon at the same time, only the first player, only player one, will get it. It's kind of an interesting bias in the game toward and against player one. Uh, what if player one is Sean? That's a good question. I'll make sure I reach out to the programmer. I did notice in between the levels, it will... Oh, one thing I did forget to mention. When you start the game, you have a selection of the 17 levels. You do not have to play them in order. You got an airplane. And actually, no, thinking about it, I think it only you can only select up to Barcelona. And then you have to go through the rest of the game. So you can you can select up to the Barcelona stage. Barcelona is where it's the game. The game's hard, but Barcelona is when it really starts getting tough. You can select the stage up to a certain point when you start the game. And then between levels, between levels, like I said, there are three levels per per location, there will be a little interstitial animation or just picture of of your character, like, celebrating or whatever. And it will tally up your time points, and it will tell you how many more points you need uh, to get the free life. Earlier I mentioned with the, um, the power wire, I think I called it. Yeah, the power wire where it actually hooks to a block and stays there until either it goes away 
or an enemy hits it, if you hit the buttons, it will go away faster. I noticed on the interstitials that if you keep tapping the button, it'll make, if there's any animation on the screen, it'll make the animation go faster. Just a little pointless trivia that I discovered on my own. So, yeah. Um, well, that's for impatient people who don't want to wait. Yeah, like me. Yep. I already mentioned, uh, as far as a hint goes, that uh, don't try not to get the dynamite unless it's absolutely necessary, or if there's only a few smaller of the balloons left on the screen. And the power wire kind of gets in the way in the levels where there's a lot of open space, but on levels where there's a lot of narrow passages, the power wire is a godsend. The bigger the balloon, the higher it bounces. Okay? So you get the big ones bouncing all the way almost up to the top of the screen, and the next size down goes even smaller, and the next one even smaller, until you get to the smallest level, where it only leaves the barest minimum of space above your character. And um, in a narrow passageway, more often than not, there are times when it will actually bounce down off of the passage above you before it actually reaches the top arc of its bounce. That is when you really, really, really want the power wire. Definitely get those on those particular screens. There was one in particular, I believe, actually in the Barcelona stage, where it's like a zigzag pattern up to the top of just narrow passages. And um, did I mention there are ladders in the game? There are ladders in the game. I do believe so. Yes. But either way, hey, we know now. Well, there you go. Uh, There are ladders in the game, and uh, you can actually shoot your wire while on a ladder, which I found out, which Uh, I did not... That sounds pretty painful. (laughs) You have no idea. And, um... Talk about forced humor. Yeah, no kidding. So, yes, um... I believe that's all I have to say about the technical and gameplay of Buster Brothers. Ah, I'm gonna get a little comfortable here. If you're at home, do the same. Ah, there we go. So, if you're not at home, please don't get comfortable. Unless you're really comfortable with getting comfortable. So, I will go on the record of saying this, that I first played the game at the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall. I'm not going to make you guess, because this one's, well, maybe not obvious. I think I actually had a couple in a ro- games in a row where uh, uh, it was unguessable <laughs> where I first played the game, now that I think about it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So, um, yeah, our, the the Lens Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall, but way back when. I believe this might be when I worked in the mall at the A&W restaurant. Aha. Uh-huh. No, that would have been when I was working at KB Toys. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So, um, Sean, how about you? Where was the first place you saw it? I don't know, because I'm sure I've seen it. The name sound familiar, but I think the name Buster Brothers, as they called it in North America... I think that was a little piece of marketing because what were some of the other popular brothers games? Oh, Oh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Was Super Smash Brothers a thing yet? No, I don't think so. That was a a Super Nintendo home thing as well. Okay, so that would have been a few years later then. I can't think of uh, any other arcade brother games though. That's true. But um, I think that had something to do with it because like, oh, brothers, uh, right away that tells you it might be a multiplayer game which, of course, arcade operators and manufacturers love because it means, hey, you can uh, pump in double the tokens, make double the profits. And uh, the thing is, like, I know I've heard of the game, but I don't remember ever seeing it. I'm sure it m- I might have seen it and thought, nah, I don't want to play something like that. 
like basically judging the game just by its name because I would have thought that it had something to do with it, that it would have been like a fight and go right kind of game or something, but obviously it's not, but I've never seen it to this day. I don't remember ever seeing it. And the thing is, it's not a common game. Like arcade.com only lists 10 locations that have it. And the closest one they list to Jimmy G and me is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Really? I thought, uh, I thought Galloping Ghost had it. Nope. No freaking way. That's why I guessed it yesterday for the weekly unveiling. Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? Which they did get a really good game, though, so. Oh, yeah, they got uh, Juno first. Juno first. Juno? Juno first, man. Something. Something. What are your thoughts? What's your opinion on Buster Brothers? I absolutely love this game. It's cute. It's got good music. Oh, and I noticed something about the music, too. The tunes are nice, but I noticed that the, the music speeds up at the 50-second mark. Actually, it doesn't speed up. It plays a different, like, more hurry-up tune at the 50-second mark. We have 50 seconds left. And then it plays yet another hurry-up tune, a different one, at the 20-second mark. Huh. And I was I was really playing the game, actually, tonight. I've, I've been playing it for a while, and tonight I decided I was going to write some notes down because I was wanting to de-scramble the scoring on it. And then I saw these weird bonuses, like I was saying, that I just couldn't figure out one way or the other. Uh, but then I noticed was noticing other things, like the uh, like the, the music and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so there is that. And I think at the five-second mark, it starts a beep, beep, like countdown timer like that. And um, I absolutely love this game. It's a, it's a simple concept. It's it's cute. It's got... The, 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 the visuals aren't amazing, but they're really good. The sound effects are are fine for the sort of game. Uh, it the pop um, when you when you pop a bubble is kind of nice. It's all around just a fun game. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I really really like this game a lot. And for such a simple concept, there is a lot of strategy involved in this thing. It really and, is, yeah. And um, sometimes you need to take a second to think. But I mean, you, <laughs> given the situation, you might not have that second. So um, it's a fun little actioner. I think you can also maybe call maybe this will could also fall in the puzzle category as well. It's oh, not yeah. really a puzzle game, but it 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 isn't it isn't a puzzle game at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I got it, kind it's of got a puzzle. elements of puzzle and elements of a good action shooter, single yes. screen shooter at the same time. I got kind of a puzzle bobble slash bust a move vibe from it. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I mean, and uh, it was around the, it came out around the same time, I think. That's right, yeah. And um, this is a solid, solid Capcom slash Mitchell title. This is a really nice game. I really like this one a lot. Yeah. What would you rate it? Uh, how many continues would you rate it? Well, what about your impressions of the game? Oh, man, I'm bad at impressions. Well, what do you think of the game? Oh, I think of the game... Um, I, you know, like, again, I never played Buster Brothers, and when I knew we were about to talk about it, I keep thinking, oh, God, it's probably one of those uh, fight-and-go-right games or something. And then I actually played it. I was like, oh, oh, what? And it it really is a fun game. It's absolutely fun. And uh, it keeps getting challenging, but not annoyingly challenging. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get terribly repetitive, and the, and the way the, the and as I was saying with the the power ups or the the bonus items being random, puts an extra element of uh, it keeps the game interesting. It keeps the game from being exactly the same because yes. you can't use the same strategies, even though the layout's the same. 
you don't know what power up or what bonus item you're going to get once you bust that bubble. That's right. Bust that bubble. But it was, I had a lot of fun playing it and I just really wish I would have taken some more time to get more acquainted with it. Cause it, Buster Brothers, it's just, again, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rate it now. Um, I, it's definitely a solid four. And I'm sure if I got to know it better, it could even go as high as a five. It's a unique concept. Uh, it, it kind of fits in with this, with, with the style of puzzle games that were out at the time. Mm-hmm. Again, like say bust a move or maybe even Tetris or columns. It has that kind of a vibe to it, mm-hmm. but it is a unique concept. It's basically like Astro smash on the Intellivision, except the meteors bounce around. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, I, I can see where you'd make that make that parallel. And then uh, once you figure out the the timing and you figure out how to uh, escape the bubbles when they bounce over you, it's just the greatest feeling in the world. It's like, oh, I can survive this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's why you want to make sure that you don't the keep the number of those small bubbles to as, as small a number as possible. Oh, yeah. Because you get a bunch of them, they don't all bounce in sequence. You might see a bunch of them bouncing in sequence, but there's always going to be a couple that'll throw you off that you just cannot get away from. So the, the strategy is try to concentrate on one bubble at a time. But again, you got that time limit. I've seen the time limit as low as 80 seconds all the way up to, I think, 110 seconds for some of the harder levels. And um, get those clocks as much as possible. When you get a clock, make the most out of it. The last weapon you want, if you have one of the freeze clocks, the last weapon you want is the uh, the power wire. You want either the double wire or, better yet, the shotgun. So you have mm. the shotgun when you're got all the bubbles frozen you can wipe as a lot of those suckers out i forgot to mention when all the bubbles on the screen are frozen you are invincible as long as all the bubbles are frozen so don't hesitate to walk on them but once you see them start blinking get to a safe space as fast as possible and you know what i'm going to rate this one a four also again i've played this game a lot longer than you have and as long as i've been emulating uh, I've been playing this game as well. I've played it in the arcade. Oh, so you actually have the arcade cabinet. Well, yes, I do, actually. It's sitting... Because you wouldn't uh, emulate something you didn't actually own, you know, well, because you see, that'd, be, the, that'd be illegal. I have a wardrobe in my room here, and if you open it up, it goes into a magical realm where I keep all of my arcade cabinets. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I've been playing this game a long time, and um, I am really actually considering bumping my score up to a five. Wow. There's just something keeping me from fully committing to a five. I'll keep it a solid four, but it could easily go up to a five. Actually, you know what? I'm going to keep it a four because I think Super Buster Brothers, for as good as this game is, I think Super Buster Brothers is even better. Wow. And uh, so I'm going to keep this one at a four for now. And um, I absolutely love this game. This is this is a great game. And... Uh, Man, I'm still thinking about pumping it up to a five. <laughs> I'll let you ponder that while I acknowledge yeah, people who have it, it, given it'll, some. It's highly high recommended. Scores. It's just I'm trying to trying to commit here. So continue. Uh, how yeah. about some scores? Yeah, how about some scores? This oh, is a very shit. high scoring game. Oh, and it yeah. does uh, continue for a coin. For what? This is a continuing game too. Well, yeah, like I think once Moon Patrol like inspired people you can't find a game that doesn't have that's true it continue that's true like 84 83 84 is when most of the games started with the continues yeah 
Oh, by the way, um, I happen to have the manual for Buster Brothers here. Oh, really? And uh, it's well, it's not the manual. It's the manual for the conversion kit because I guess it's a conversion kit also. And uh. I just, I absolutely love this <clears throat> installation procedures. Something to think about. Your final product will be a new game. You have made a wise decision to transform a game that has seen better days in the all-important cash box into a new game. This is by far the most cost-effective alternative to maximize the return of your initial investment. All you provide is the cabinet with a power supply and a monitor. Oh yes, you will need a touch of elbow grease. And that's it. We provide the rest. The end result is... A new game at a very low cost. Wow. That whole thing sounded like it really really wanted to be english but not quite english i know what you mean it's kind of like uh the descriptions of uh those uh wildlife simulators or whatever they're called such concept such concept <laughs> a podcast showing such concept such a concept such as high score on orcade.com i'm not sure how this gent's name is pronounced but it could be greg wow L-A-U-E, not sure, but he scored 2046600 on June 3rd, 2013 during the 15th Annual Classics Championships at Funspot. That is a very obtainable score with skill, especially later levels when you can score 50,000 points for some of those slices of cake. Oh, yeah. Well, Skippy, how about Terry Henry? What about his score, which on Twin Galaxies says... He scored 2,909,840 back on May 22nd, 2015. That's according to Twin Galaxies. Well, Adi frickin' da. Well, that's like almost 900,000 more than what this Greg chappie did. So what do you think about that? Well, how about that? So those are good scores. As I was saying, this is a high-scoring game. And Oh, by the way, uh, well, except no for disrespect me. me- uh, meant. That's just my sense of humor. So... Thought I'd get that out of the way. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, do you have anything further to say about um, Buster Brothers? No, I don't. Uh, this is a great game. Give it a shot. If you like puzzle games, if you like action games, if you like cute, cutesy games, you will love this game. Yeah. And uh, you can go to, let's see, 8-Bit Arcade, Arcade Club, uh, Castles and Coasters, Dorky's Bar Arcade, Fun Spot, John John's Game Room, Oh Wow at Madeira, Pinball Pete's or Starline Ferry to play that, and maybe some other places that just aren't listed. Castles and Coasters, I think that's in Phoenix. It is in Phoenix. And I want to think that closed. Really? I I was reading some stuff about that place recently because, well, we went to Phoenix, Arizona in in 14 to visit my mom who lives out there. And uh, that's the only amusement park they have out there. And they were having some trouble. They, they the, the amusement park is actually built in the corner of uh, a parking lot for a shopping mall out there. And mm-hmm. um, so obviously it's not a huge park. But um, I want to think I heard they're in like some financial trouble. I could be wrong on that. And I probably am. But uh, no, it no. looks like they're still open. Okay. They, pro- they, they probably are. I might have just been here. Confused it with another park too, though. So could be, could be. Uh, oh, on November 28th, 2015, a 12-year-old boy named Dominic Leal was seriously injured after falling from a log flume ride called the Splashdown after standing during the ride. What year was that? 2015. Don't tell you to sit down for a reason. Yep, yep. But oh, hey, yeah, seriously, don't just obey don't stand safety on rules, then. people. Come yeah. on. 
Oh man. But anyway, um, should we just move on to a other game? Let's move on to a other game. All right. So let me see if I can find a other game. Oh, wait, wait, we agreed to talk about Blasteroids, right? Blasteroids. Ah, yes. Ah, Blasteroids. Ah, released in February 1988 by Atari Games Corporation and programmed by Ed Rothberg. What is Blasteroids? Well, Blasteroids is a game that I ignored when it was out back in the late 80s because I thought it was just going to be a cheap Asteroids clone that just had like fancy ass graphics and stuff. But uh, it's actually an official Atari sequel. It is the third arcade sequel to the original Asteroids after, of course, Asteroids Deluxe and Space Duel. Space Duel is to Asteroids what Super Pac-Man is to Pac-Man, and Asteroids Deluxe is to Asteroids what Ms. Pac-Man is to Pac-Man. Blasteroids is to Asteroids what Pac-Mania is to Pac-Man. Ooh, yeah, I would have to say that. Yeah, because it's significantly updated in terms of graphics and stuff. Um, It is a modern update of Asteroids, and it's really the same idea as Asteroids. Really, you're controlling a ship that rotates around and thrusts forward and uh, your ship must destroy all of the asteroids that are on the screen avoiding enemy fire because there are enemies that show up on the screen and uh, instead of rotate buttons like you have on the previous asteroids games you have a little rotary controller like a paddle kind of thing and i have to say i really like that a lot for that is a good that's a good way to control it I, i like it too And you have three buttons to assist you. There's a fire button, there's a thrust button, and a transform button. More than meets the eye. Actually, it isn't more than meets the eye. It is pretty much what it says. It does. It transforms your ship. Your ship can take on three different appearances. Your ship could be a warrior ship. I think the the default ship that you have is called a fighter. And um, the fighter is the ship that has the most firepower. You can transform into a speeder, which is a smaller ship that doesn't really have strong firepower, but it moves really, really fast. So if you need to thrust quickly, transform into the speeder and thrust. And the warrior ship is the biggest and clunkiest of all the ships, but it has the most armor. So uh, it can withstand a little bit more contact than, say, a fighter or a speeder. And you can transform the ships at any time. Any time during the game. That's right. Any time during play. And at this point, it was pretty common practice for Atari arcade games to allow you to choose at what point you start. And Blasteroids is no different. At the beginning of the game, you're given a screen with four different options as to where you could start. And the options are Easy Warp, and there is Medium Warp. And if you choose Medium Warp, you get a bonus of 50,000 points. There's Hard Warp with a bonus of 100,000 points and Expert Warp with a bonus of 150,000 points. And uh, aside from the different transformations you can have for your ship and the, um, the updated graphics and kind of updated sounds, there's another feature that makes Blasteroids different from the previous Asteroids games in that you only have one life. You just have one ship. However, instead of, say, losing a life and getting another one, you actually have a fuel gauge. And when you run out of fuel, that's when the game is over. And, of course, you're given an option to continue. Your fuel gradually depletes, and you lose more fuel than normal if you happen to hit an enemy or an asteroid. 
And um, so that's how the life system works in there. You can replenish your fuel by shooting one of the red asteroids and completely obliterating it. And if you completely obliterate a red asteroid, it leaves behind a little fireball looking thing that's called a crystal. And if you pick up a crystal, it adds fuel to your supply. So um, that's that. And the game actually takes place in a galaxy that is split up into sectors, and your job is to clear all sectors of asteroids. Sometimes you're going to see a flying saucer, and when you destroy the flying saucer, it will leave behind a power-up that you can pick up by thrusting over it. And uh, the power-ups are blasters, which allow you to fire multiple shots at a time. Uh, you can just fire just one single shot. Well, it's not one of those things where if you fire once, you can't fire again until the shot's off the screen. You can fire two or three shots. But if you get the blaster power up, you actually get, say, instead of one cannon, you get two cannons. So you can shoot multiple shots with one press of the fire button. Uh, one of the power-ups is extra fuel capacity so that you don't run out of fuel as quickly. There is a crystal magnet, which of course will attract all of the crystals toward your ship so you don't have to thrust to them. Wait, crystal meth? Yes, crystal meth. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and winners don't do drugs. That's true. You know, I don't think that this is one of those games from that era that does not have that message on there. Hmm. No, it doesn't. I think Buster Brothers actually had it. Huh. I don't remember that, but it, yeah, you might be right. But uh, anyway, uh, the uh, another power-up is shields. And usually if you get a shields power-up, if not always, you get two shields. So every time you run over a shields power-up, you get two additional shields. You start the game with no shields, by the way. And uh, a shield is good for one instance of contact with an enemy or a asteroid. Let's see, there's uh, another power-up that gives you what, what we were just going to call extra shot power, which will allow your shot to destroy anything in its path with just one hit. Red player and, now has extra shot power. And there is a cloak, which will make your ship invisible to the enemies. And there's one thing that I couldn't get working, and that's the Rip Star. If you get the Rip Star, you get a message on your screen that tells you you have to press all three buttons to mm -hmm. activate it. But for some reason, I couldn't get that to happen. But what the Ripstar does is it spins your ship all around and you can fire in all directions at the same time. Yeah, you got to really make sure you hit all three of the buttons ex precisely at the same time. It can be hard mm. to get the timing down, but I've been That's able to do That's kind of what I it. figured. Yeah. But if you clear the screen, then you've cleared the sector. And once you clear a sector, a little portal shows up on the screen. It looks kind of like a, a visual representation of a black hole. And you have to steer your ship into that portal. And then once you get into the portal, you will be given a screen in which you have to choose the next sector. I do believe you can redo the same sector you are already in, but you really shouldn't. You should do a sector that you're not already in so that you can make your way to the final battle. Are you sure about the uh, about it looking like a black hole? Because I thought that was only on the level select screen. But once you complete a level, it looks like a like some rectangular metal like landing yeah, pad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the door. what it was. Yeah, I can't remember waking up this morning. So that's my line. Oh, well, you got that going for you. Hey, now but, uh, what? You're an all star. <sighs> yeah, but, I feel uh, the same way. Let's see. Where was I? Did I say hi? This is Pie Factory Podcast episode 67. Oh, I don't think I did. I don't think I said 60. This is episode 67, by the way. Uh, but um, anyway, so you clear a sector, you get to choose another sector. And uh, when you clear the entire galaxy, 
you must fight a character named Mokor, who is a boss character. Shoot me if you dare, and uh, knowing that Blastroids had a boss character kind of turned me off at first because why would you need a boss just to shoot a bunch of rocks? But uh, it's actually interesting. Uh, Mukor is a giant floating head that looks kind of like a combination of Yoda, Oscar the Grouch, and the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right, actually. I mean, I can't really <laughs> I place it exactly. But, uh, but anyway, Mukor has like little kind of like volcano things on his face. And in those little volcano things, like, you know, they, they, they look like volcanoes are really, really terrible zits. But uh, those little volcano little thingies shoot out small flying saucers that attack you. And in order to destroy Mukor, you have to destroy all those volcanoes. And with every galaxy that you play, it becomes more difficult to destroy Mukor. He gets more, more little volcano thingies on his face. I do believe there is a final battle against Mukor. I, I didn't play it long enough to yes, find out. Th there definitely is. And of course, which means the game will come to an end. Either you die or you defeat Mukor. So that's how it happened. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention. There's also a popcorn asteroid, if you will, which is a small blue asteroid that actually grows every time you shoot it. And once it reaches a certain size, it'll stop moving on the screen. And if, you're, if your ship oh, yeah. touches the popcorn, you're dead. Game over. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Blasteroids uh, in a large nutshell. Now, there is something unique about Blasteroids, and that is, in particular, it's two-player simultaneous mode. And at the end of a sector, you have to choose which sector you're going to go into next. And uh, the way that it works in two-player mode is whoever the first is to choose actually leads to uh, leads your way to the next sector for both players. It's not always player one? I don't believe so. I, I haven't played a two-player <laughs> game, but according to the research I found, it's whoever makes the first move. But also in two-player mode, what you can do in two-player mode that you cannot do in one-player mode is you can actually dock two different ships together to form one giant, wonderful, super-duper ship. One player has to be a warrior, and the other player has to be a speeder, basically the largest ship and the smallest ship. Hmm. And uh, what will happen is when you dock, whoever controlled the warrior ship will control, say, the movement and thrusting and will have very limited firepower. Not that the warrior ship had great firepower to begin with, but uh, the player who had the speeder ship now controls a turret. Oh, neat. And the turret fires and rotates independently of the other player. As you can tell, I've never played this in two-player mode. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah. a friend to do that. And well, you don't have to have a friend. It could be an enemy if you just if the two of you happen to want to play a two-player game of, of or Blaster. Or it could be some time. butthole. Or some butthole, yeah. I really hope that that butthole eventually hears this podcast. Yeah, I do too. I have no I idea remember who it was. that. <laughs> and um, oh, dude, did you know there is a Easter egg? And ever notice that I kind of have this habit of using the single letter article A instead of an in front of a lot of words that have uh, vowel sounds at the beginning. I don't know why I do that. I Unlike just... some grammar Nazis, I don't care. Yeah, I, don't I know. know what you mean. It's like that Honeymooners episode. It was called Better Living Through TV when Ralph and Norton were trying to sell these little gadgets on a, on a live commercial. They were rehearsing, can it core a apple? Well, certainly it can core a apple. <laughs> and that, I don't know why, but that just cracks me up every time. 
can it core apple? Oh, grand or whatever, you know. But anyway, the Easter egg in Blasteroids. And actually, it's only in the prototype version of Blasteroids. It's not in the norm. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if Doc has the prototype version. Chances are it's probably just the regular version. Most likely. But if anybody's going to have the prototype version, it's going to be uh, Galloping Ghost. <laughs> but in the prototype, prototype version of Blasteroids, programmer Ed Rothberg actually hid a picture of his head in the game. There's a way to reveal that picture. What you need to do is start a game on the medium warp and clear the first sector. Oh, I have the ROM. Oh, are you going to try it as I speak? Uh, what is the condition for it? Uh, start a game medium difficulty, complete the first wave. Probably then, not because I'll have to set up my controller. Ah, you clear the first sector and then choose the sector on the upper right of the sector selection screen after you clear the first sector. And you keep shooting the blue popcorn asteroids, they will turn into Ed Rothberg's head. Neat. So, hey, that is uh, the arcade game Blasteroids. What about home ports? Well, Blasteroids was available um, on... Yeah. I was going to say, it's a later game. So it and? was ported widely. No, but it was it was ported on a, a decent yeah. number of devices. It was ported on the Amstrad CPC. Oh, it was on cassette on the Amstrad CPC, but in Spain, it was available on both cassette and floppy disk. Mm. So whichever your poison was, uh, it was available on the MSX, the Sinclair Spectrum, and the Amiga, which is, I think, where I really first heard about Blasteroids, because I was an Amiga user for 13 years. Mm -hmm. It was my primary computer for 13 years. So here we go. That's um, Blasteroids. Uh, you missed, did you say Commodore 64 and Atari ST? No, because I didn't know about those. My research didn't lead me to those. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I don't believe I actually owned it, but I know I saw it at a store in, God, I can't remember the name of the town, but I went there all the time for my Atari ST needs. And the store was called Mars Merchandising. And I distinctly hmm. remember seeing it in the store. It was an import from Europe, of course. Uh, which unfortunately most Atari ST software was European in nature, but uh, they did, did it have it. Pal did it like flip your computer into PAL mode when it did no, that? No, it didn't. It played perfectly. Oh, really? Yeah. Because huh. that's the thing about Amiga is like so much of Amiga stuff, it, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it defaulted into PAL mode, which would basically throw the vertical hold off your monitor. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have a vertical hold adjustment, you were kind of screwed unless your monitor could handle PAL. And I don't care what people say about PAL. PAL is just grating on the eyes. First of all, there's not as much resolution as NTSC. And also, it's a slower refresh rate, so the flicker can really get to the eyes. So there. So there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about the Atari. It doesn't surprise me, though, because so many titles that were available on the Amiga were also available on the ST and the other way around, too. Like yeah. if, if, mm -hmm. if there was a title out on the ST, chances are it was also out on the Amiga. Chances. Because they're, they're chances so, cause they're are, so mm -hmm. similar. They both used the uh, Motorola 68000 series CPU, as did the arcade Blasteroids, by the way. Mm -hmm. The arcade Asteroids actually had two different CPU chips, and it had the Motorola 68000, I believe, clocked at 7 megahertz, and it had the M6502 processor on it. And the sound was provided not by Pokey, but by Yamaha. Uh, the, oh. the usual Yamaha sound chip that uh, arcade games that use Yamaha sound chips mm -hmm. used. Uh, I got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the sounds in Blasteroids because they're just not quite as booming. As, no, they are. They could use know. a bigger boom. It's something about 
the later eighties versus the earlier eighties, like when there were like booming explosions, they sounded kind of rubbery on the on newer games than they did on older games. I don't know if I would say rubbery, but they sounded more muted. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally dig that. But um, hey, what can you do? What can you do? Uh, Jimmy G, where did you first see Blastroids? I first saw it at the Aladdin's Castle, Louis Joliet Mall, actually. That might have been where I first saw it, too. Either that or that game place. I know I've seen it. I know, I know I've seen it out in the wild before. By the way, I have to call you out on something. Oh? Uh, you missed a big piece of trivia for this game. Oh? Obviously, all of the... The, the backgrounds and the asteroids and the oh, ships they were and digitized. They're digitized. Did They're you digitized. see who digitized them? Yes, that was uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Yes, I'm surprised you didn't mention that. Unless you, you didn't were going to mention me a it. Just to mention it. Well, I group all of my trivia together. <laughs> well, I like to be kind of unpredictable and exciting. So, well, you got. I don't ha- like to ha- be predictable. You're so. half right. You're half of that. So. I'm half right, and my the other half is correct. So there, that's how we do things. And by the way, speaking of the digitized asteroids, first thing that came to my mind when I first played Blasteroids was mm-hmm. Atari seventy eight hundred asteroids. Yes, they the 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 asteroids do definitely have the feel of the asteroids in the seventy eight hundred asteroids. I'm wondering if you could update the graphics. I don't know that you'd probably have to maybe might have to recode the game because the uh, the asteroids on the seventy eight hundred asteroids are um, meatballs eight, in space. Well, they're meatballs in space, but they're they are while they're really good, they are basically round and a set like say sixteen by sixteen graphic for the larger ones yeah. and down maybe thirty two by thirty two. But the asteroids in blasteroids are all different shapes and sizes. They're not. Oh, a, that's true. Yeah. They're not a set. Um, you might be able to get some of the smaller ones in there, but oh, the man. larger Speaking ones, I don't of think which, so. This, which, this brings up a, a very interesting trivia about one of our favorite home consoles, the Atari 7800. Uh, and when we were talking about Buster Brothers, I talked about how it kind of reminded me of the Intellivision Astro Smash, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe was called Astro Blast when they, put it, when they made it for the Atari 2600. Yes, it was. Bob DiCrescenzo did a version of Astro Blast for the 7800, and he called it Meteor Shower. And for the meteors in that game, he actually did the same thing that Industrial Light and Magic did. He had, he actually digitized pictures of boulders oh. and then downscaled them for the 7800. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I so that, that. that was a pretty cool uh, piece of uh, work that I thought. And there. I probably would have known that if I'd listened to the 7800 Homebrew podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I should listen to that too. It sounds yeah, like a, a really great podcast. Even if you don't have a 7800, it sounds very educational. But, um, oh, there's one thing I did want to mention. Um, I got a little bit of advice from uh, a local gentleman named Matthew V. Burke. Some time ago, he, had t- he was talking to me about blast rays, and he offered me this advice, and I kind of like his advice too. He said, don't ever use the warrior ship because, really? it's, so, because it's so slow and clunky. It's pretty useless. The only thing it's good for is just that extra armor protection. He said, just stick with the fighter ship. And if you have to thrust, then transform to the speeder ship. Okay. He said, that's, yeah, I guess that makes he said, that's sense. the best way to play it. He said, don't ever use the warrior. I think he might consider, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I have a feeling that if he were playing a two player simultaneous game, he might want to consider the warrior ship. If the two players want to dock the ship together. I've definitely got to try that. Yeah. If only we knew of an arcade that had blasteroids. Yeah, if only. 
Besides Galloping Ghost and Underground Retrocade, of yeah, course. Uh, of course. But, uh, oh, they have it. We can go to one of those places and play it. You know, one thing with this game is I could have sworn I saw it like everywhere, but I'm looking at the the trivia for it and they only produced 2,000 units. Yeah. I, well, I'm well, kind of shocked what, by that. Was that a lot for the time, though? Was that a lot for 1988? That might be a lot for the time, because that I think a lot of arcades closed around. Yeah, yeah. Around I mean, the, time. The, we still had the Aladdin's castles, but um, but yeah, like I know the Great America had an arcade at the time. I'm gonna have to see if anybody on my uh, you know you're from Joliet if group on Facebook knows when Putt Putt closed, but I think they were into the 90s actually before they. Closed. Oh, I'm sure they were. Um, yeah, if nothing else, you can find out when the next mattress store is, or you can read about Crazy <laughs> Kate or um, Marishka's, because that seems to be pretty much the recurring themes in that group. Yeah, pretty much. Extremely local news on Pie Factory Podcast. Got our I list- hear the uh, the bridge over uh, the Brandon Road bridge is uh, is stuck again. Wow, good yeah. grief! Yeah, I'm sure that our blind Indonesian listener is happy to hear about that. So <laughs> we joke, but we 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 love all of our listeners. We we absolutely do. We have yeah. fun. Oh, dude, I fr- I'm so terrible. So I think it was two or three trips ago to Underground Retrocade. I actually met one of our listeners, and I totally forgot to give him a shout out. Uh, oh, I I don't know his name, but uh, I don't know his last name. I, I seem to remember his name is Scott, and I met his wife too. His wife. Uh, was there he he re- he heard me talking he's like hey aren't you the aren't you one of those guys in that podcast i was like i am and and hey, you know, yes. we talked yes, for a I bit am. i think i think his parents used to be arcade game distributors or something oh cool or work for an arcade game distributor so he knew a, a lot of the places like a lot of restaurants in kankakee that that would have arcade games i think Please. i might be getting my words wrong but uh, Hi, scott. scott if scott if i'm full of it please correct us uh, well he is but he wants to know if he's full of it on this in that topic. specific regard yeah but mm-hmm. uh but yeah speaking of which uh yeah that's that's really where i've played blasteroids was underground retrocade i i don't think i ever played it at the ghost that's the only place i ever played it was the retrocade but again i'm sure i i am sure that i saw it at aladdin's castle in uh, joliet or at that game place so um yeah do you have any further memories you wish to share about blasteroids well as i said i played it first at the uh ac at the ljm and uh i really like the game the, the graphics are, are really good. The sound effects are decent. I mean, they're not, as you were saying, the explosions aren't booming like yeah. we are used to with the other versions of Asteroids. And I do like a lot of the twists they put on the game. I like the fact that you actually have an energy bar, which uh, which is which is a nice touch. But I'm thinking about this, and I don't think I've played this in the arcade outside the classic era. Huh. I don't think I've played it at uh, Retrocade, and I don't think I've played it at Galloping Ghost. And I didn't play it at Replay Andersonville because they don't have it. I don't think. Well, oh, by the way, I did do a walkthrough video that it, it didn't last very long because, well, there weren't many games to walk through. But uh, they they have pretty good food there. It's a it's a somewhat small menu, but you could get uh, lunch or dinner over there. Um, I, Next uh, time I'm up your way, we'll have to hit it up. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Um, hey, let's talk about, uh, high scores in this game. High scores. High scores. And, uh, uh, the two, I'm going to use the same high, I'm going to use the same scoreboards, Twin Galaxies and Arcade, and they both share the same one credit only rule. So keep that in mind. Twin Galaxies, they have their high score as, uh, 2,773,840 set by Mark Twitty, and that was verified April 20th, 1988. I wonder if he's any relation to Conway. Um, could be, because 
I can't imagine there are a heck of a lot of Twitties in the world. Twitty city. Oh, and not only does the, at least, not only is the rule one credit, but um, Twin Galaxies specifies medium warp for the starting, okay. for, the, for the difficulty level. So medium warp, Mark Twitty was able to get almost 2.8 million on that wow. with just one credit. I, I'm going to have to look on YouTube and see if there are like videos of people like scoring really highly on this with only just one credit. Because, man, it... it I found Blastroids to be so hard to make any good progress on with just one credit. It is kind credit. of hard, yeah. I think the key thing is you just have to be really, really careful and not be so twitchy with it, which I yeah. have a hard time doing. Now, did you mention, I, I, I didn't see this anywhere, but do you only lose energy by getting shot or hitting asteroids, or is it a constant, like, draining? I'm pretty sure it's a constant draining, Okay, but the constant draining is just really, really, really gradual. Uh, okay. You get you drain more when you get hit by something. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But some games don't have that. Some do. And I was wondering. Yeah. I think pretty much all Atari games from this era uh, had the slow draining. Gauntlet had it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Zybots and Return of the, uh, or Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters had it. Even non-Atari games had it, and that's why I didn't like 1943, because I just couldn't grasp this one life thing. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I have to... Wait, did 19... Did that game have a gradual training? I don't know if it's gradual or if it's... Uh, or if it's well, like... Just the draining, like, you know, living. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head, because they only well, played I, it a I couple of times. I do know that, times, like, Zybots had that, and definitely Gauntlet had we're that. We're probably going to have to talk about it sometime, so we'll know when we talk about it. Right. But uh, Arcade.com follows the same rules, medium difficulty, and one credit, of course. And uh, they actually have two separate tracks for that, one-player track and two-player track. The Mm -hmm. one-player track, the highest score they show is by Jamie Tibbetts, um, who scored 1,006,470 at Underground Retrocade on November 5th, 2015. And uh, two-player mode... Jamie Tibbetts and Mozzie's Hagopian scored 694,990 on September 17th, 2015 at Galloping Ghost. Fewer points in two-player mode. That's interesting. It is. I wonder if it's one of those things where if it where it gets harder in two-player mode. I bet. And also, if they docked, then that's only... Well, eh, no, that's still two people firing, though. Yeah. But I'm then curious again, about not, that. That's, a, yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. That really is interesting. I know Jamie and Mozzie, so next time I see one of them, I'll, I'll ask him like, what the deal is with that, since they'd know firsthand. Then again, knowing Jamie, he'd say, oh, man, that was two years ago. I don't remember. So uh, that is um, my overall presentation. That's what I learned about Blasteroids. Uh, Jimmy G, uh, do you have anything further on Blasteroids? Well, you know what? Actually, out of curiosity, I looked up the uh, other games uh, done by Ed Rotberg. And uh, he did Atari Baseball. That's uh, back in the black and white era. Um, oh, wow. I, he didn't do the football one, but he did the baseball. I would love to um, see the baseball one. He did one. Battlezone, a game called Fire Beast, which I'm not familiar with. I wonder if that might be a... Uh, a um, um, Chicken salad? A, yeah, a, a prototype. He did uh, Gridley for uh, Video Systems. Now, isn't yeah. that the game that was emulated on the iPhone? Yes, Yes, oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, that's right. It's the i on the iPhone. Gridley had a hidden mame in it. Yes, I, I I wonder if that's still there or if Apple found out about it and uh, made him take it out. But he uh, also did for Atari Guardians of the Hood, which is another beat 'em up. 
uh, hard driving, race driving, rampart, stun runner, uh, shoes, which is uh, horseshoes. That's mostly for bars and steel talons. But he also did games uh, for Balicente during the same time period. Uh, he did hat trick, uh, name that tune, which I've never seen that in the arcade, but I've played it in MAME, and it's a game I would like to talk about sometime. Uh, Senti huh. Mini Golf, which I have played. Uh, Snake Pit, which I have played. And uh, one called Spiker, which I am assuming... Oh, in Snake Pit, do you have to watch out for anything? Watch out for snakes. We find an excuse to use that clip in every damn episode. <laughs> Actually, we went several episodes without using it. Did we? Yeah, I'm just trying I to make sure that notice. doesn't happen again. Spiker actually is indeed a volleyball game, which I have never seen. Oh. But um, he's got some uh, some very good credentials um, hmm. with uh, with games, and um, and actually one of them we're going to talk about. Oh, really? We, we'll, we'll talk about we'll we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, we, but, should, we, we should we uh, should oh go ahead go ahead please. But do. Um, just uh, I like this game. But as I said, I noticed I did haven't played it in the in the uh, in the current era, in the current time frame when I go to an arcade, and I'll have to remedy that. So, which makes me wonder how much I really do like this game. Yeah, um, it's not it's like... a bad game, and I love the updates. The control scheme is a lot better than the original Asteroids Space Duel and all that. The dial just—it feels like the game should have had the dial all along. Uh, to yeah. Me. Hey, did anybody hack the 2600 version to use the driving controller? Then again, That's how would you thrust? A good question. I don't know. Because that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. I know interesting. they've had done other control hacks, but I don't know if they've done that. Yeah, that would be interesting. But, I always uh, thought if somebody did uh, two Tigers for the uh, for the 2600 or the uh, 7800 to use the, the driving controller, there needs to be more driving controller games. The only one oh, that was yeah. officially released was Indy 500, and there have been a couple of others. I know Thrust Plus uh, had uh, was able to use it, but... Uh, and a Super Circus Atari Age on the 7800 yes, can use that's driving it. controller. But that's it. But there are, uh, a game like Two Tigers or this, someone should yeah. hack Asteroids on the 7800 to use the driving controller. Yeah, but then how would you thrust? Or if you really wanted to, hyperspace? You'd have to use a second controller. Yeah, that'd be the only thing. I guess if you could figure a way to use the keypad controller... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there, Which is what they should have done with Stargate. Yeah. But I think there'd be a lot of uh, reworking. You almost might have to reprogram that from scratch, though. Especially yeah, if you probably. use the keypad. Anyway, let me uh, moderate things back to the topic. Uh, Jimmy yeah. G, how would you rate? How many continues would you rate Blasteroids? You know, like I said, I really like the game, but not. I haven't played it a lot in the current era. With like I was saying, I'm not going to repeat myself further. So it makes me wonder. I would have given it a four back then, but I have to give it. I have to give it a three. It's not a bad game, huh. but it's not a go-to for me. Unfortunately, if I'm going to play an Asteroids game, it's going to be either Asteroids Deluxe or Space Duel. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, Blasteroids looks great and it and it plays really cool. I like how it plays, but at the same time, I it's like you know what? I think I'd really rather play Asteroids Deluxe. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, mean, I never feel like I'm wasting time when I play Blasteroids, but it's like, yeah, I could have been playing something else. You yeah, I mean? and I think the one thing that does it for me, and you, you had mentioned it earlier, is just the explosions. The explosions are so much more satisfying in Asteroids Deluxe and in Space Duel than they are in this. 
Yeah. So if there if there are any video game makers listening to this podcast and need some ideas, make sure the explosions sound really cool and booming and stuff. Make sure make the cabinet vibrate. So every every game from from the early eighties, if it had an explosion, yeah, the explosions were deep and booming and awesome. Cripe's sake, oh, you, you know what'd like, be a neat kind of mixtape? Just explosions from all those games. <laughs> that would be oh, that'd be a neat. good ringtone. Oh, it's a ringtone. Oh, that would be Especially awesome. if you like have your phone like synced up to a nice Bluetooth speaker that can really, rep- really sound bassy and stuff. Bassy. But yeah, oh man, for God's sakes, Rally X, the explosion in that, you can hear like half a mile away. And you're not the biggest fan of that game and you love the no. explosion. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to agree with your rating. Um, I'm going to rate uh, Blasteroids 3 Continues. Uh, it's a pretty solid three. I mean, it's... It's not in any danger of me like dipping down into a two territory or anything, but uh, Blasteroids for me, it's going to be two. It just doesn't have the same nostalgia factor as as Asteroids, Space Duel, Asteroids Deluxe. It just doesn't. Yeah. I believe I've said my piece on Blasteroids. Have you said your piece? I've pretty much said my piece. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you to say something else, mainly because um, I completely forgot. Um, what's the uh, theme for this? these two games? What, what do they have in common? What's their... Yeah, this is... We're delving back into... Lame theme territory here. These are games in which you make large things into smaller things. Oh, and they're both Atari games. No, they're not. Oh, that's right. Never mind. Yeah. Buster Brothers is Capcom. Or mm. Mitchell. And they're both post-crash games. And they both like their scotch by the court. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I would like to now uh, change directions a bit. And as usual, thank the people who have supported us in various ways. Of course, um, as usual, I thank Steve Tui and the folks at Tuiville, uh, who've been there from, uh, the very beginning, who've uh, gotten us some publicity and stuff by carrying our show every and, Sunday uh, at noon, every Sunday at noon on uh, Tuiville.com. Yeah. And considering we're only bi-weekly, I'm not sure how they, how Steve arranges that, but Hey, that's okay. You get to hear it twice. Good. And I've arranged our Patreon sponsors in such a way so that their first initials spell the phrase Jag Mark Trunk. So thank you to the following people who have supported us monetarily. Jonas Rulo, the Atari Bytes Podcast. Sup. Greg Polander. Sup. Michael D'Angelo. Sup. Art Guglielmo. Sup. Richard Valdez. You know, you can't hear them answering you. Eh, oh, like, well. You can't hear them telling you what's up. Anyway, Richard Sup. Valdez, thank Sup. you. Keith Sheehan. Sup. Tim Foley. Sup. Rory. Charles. Sup. Coleman. Underground Sup. Charles Retro uh, Underground Retrocade. Sup. Sorry, uh, Nate Lockhart. Sup, Kyle Etter. Sup. So thank you to Jag Mark Trunk. And by the way, we're gonna do something for our Patreon sponsors this time. Oh? Yeah, we're gonna have a little bit of a giveaway. Oh, we are going to have kind of a little contest, and the prize is an Atari Twenty Six Hundred Light Sixer. Sears telegames with that nice silvery front in the original box. That's right. A Sears light sixer in the box in which it came. The box honestly isn't in the best shape in the world, but it is pretty much intact. Uh, doesn't have the stuffing inside it or anything, but we will do the best we can to ship it very carefully so that it doesn't get damaged uh, oh also comes with the original owner's manual for the console as well and not only that but the console will be fully cleaned and shiny and you're gonna love how it looks 
There will be some boxed games included with it. Uh, the console will be modified so that it will work on TV sets that have those f- fancy little RCA ports. And um, now we are going to charge you $200 for the power supply. Well, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, okay. But it will come with the power supply. It will come with the proper cableage. And it will also come with the actual original parts that were removed to make the modification so that if you wish to restore it back to its original condition, unmodified, you could do that. And not only that, but this console has been modified so that there are no holes cut into it. So that way the external hasn't been tampered with at all. So there you have it. The hell you say. The hell I say. And that's what we have so far. We might be adding to it. We might not be adding to it. This is open to our Patreon sponsors because, you know, they've been giving to us, but we really haven't given much to them other than offering them a t-shirt. Say, Sean. Sean. What if somebody should want to become a sponsor so they can get in on this incredible incredible well, deal that is Where a wonderful they question go? they would go to patreon.com and patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash pie factory podcast and uh, they can donate as little as a dollar a month for this podcast or as much as i don't know if they have Putting an upper up limit for the rest so, of our life so okay here's what you do here's what i want everybody to do see if they can figure out what the upper limit is by giving us as much money as humanly possible, by giving us all the money in the world, there you go. <laughs> or maybe we could just go on TV and just sell buckets of uh, of emergency preparedness food. But can it core a apple? Ooh, good point. Ah, uh, good point. But no, seriously, this is open to our Patreon sponsors, and if you wish to be part of this contest and you're not a Patreon sponsor, well, become a Patreon sponsor. And uh, the only rule is that you have to continue to be a Patreon sponsor. You can't just sign up for Patreon, enter this little contest, and then suddenly withdraw without without actually contributing. You have to stay there for at least one payment cycle. Unless you want to give us 100 bucks. Unless you want to give it, yeah. <laughs> but, a one-time uh, in, gift in, of 100 uh, bucks. And in, in a numbered Swiss bank account uh, offshore. Uh, but um, anyway, bills. what do you have to do to be entered? Well, of course, you have to be a Patreon sponsor. And you have to choose the theme for our first episode of 2018. Which dovetails into the fact that this is our last regular episode for the year. We might this is have our a, last episode for the year. and We um, might have a special episode. Might. Uh, we might. It just depends on if whether me and Sean can actually get together in person to record it. But uh, wait, did you is... call yourself a grammar Nazi earlier in the episode? And you say me and Sean can get to record? I'm a grammar Nazi, but I'm not. Uh, but I'm not a fanatic. Ah, yeah. So yeah, if we can get together to record it, there will be one more episode. But this is the last regularly scheduled episode for the yes. year. This one you're listening to right yes. now. So we are going on hiatus. Till sometime in January, which we haven't decided which yet. Oh, and well, it's going to uh, be the January of two thousand. Oh, by the way, um, our Patreons will not be charged for the yes. for the month of December. By the way, That's, yes, yes, uh, we will we will suspend Patreon we will suspend. until we're back. Uh, um, but you can um, still sign anyway, up for Patreon, but we will suspend all payments until January. But again, to uh, to partake in this contest, you have to tell us what the theme is for the next episode. We picked two games at random. Uh, game number one, what was the first game we picked? Battlezone. Battlezone. And the other game that we picked? Juno first. Juno first. Juno okay, we just, first. 
We picked those at random with no idea for a theme. That's going to be your job. You tell us what the theme is going to be. And uh, whichever one we actually like best, we're going to try to win. We're going to, we're going to do our best to anonymize the submissions so we don't know who sends what. And uh, we'll go it. We'll, we'll just draw the theme. Either we'll draw it randomly or decide on which one we like the best. Or we can we'll write them down and give them to one of my kids and have them. Or we it. can do that there because they don't give a damn about this podcast. So, hey, no, they don't. who better? Who better? Hell, so, my daughter um, interrupted earlier because she couldn't find my keys to drive her boyfriend home. Good grief. Wow. Um, so anyway, so yeah, uh, Battlezone and Juno first, you decide what the theme is and we have to go with it. Uh, Juno first. And, uh, the deadline for entry will be 11:59 PM central standard time, January 1st, 2018. Once January 2nd happens here in the Midwest, it's closed. So anyway, uh, thank you to our Patreon sponsors. We already said that. And thank you all for listening. And um, Real quick, Sean, before we close out here. Uh-oh. Um, I just want to say, uh, give, a, give a thanks to Mike Bowler, avid uh, fan of the show and um, all-around good guy. Uh, he's got his own podcast I think I've mentioned before. It's the Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracies. So you might want to give that a, give that a check. But uh, he got my Atari 7800 working for me. Really? So, yeah, I just want to thank him for that. Uh, I offered to give him a few bucks or buy him a beer or something. He says, just do a good show. So, oh, God. Guess what, Sean? I guess that means there's pressure on us now. But, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there real quick. So, hey, thanks, Mike. All right. So, um, I guess that's it. Um, so, um until, um, yeah, wow, this is the last time we're going to talk to you in 2017, as far as we know. As far as we're aware. As yeah. far as we're aware. So, wow. The last uh, thank, regularly scheduled time we will be talking thank to you. you. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening. And uh, uh, I do have one question. Um, oh? is, is the 7800 Homebrew Podcast going to go on hiatus for December? I do not believe so. Okay. I was curious about that. Yeah, I don't believe it will. Um, okay. they've, they've not said anything about it, whoever hosts it. Um, so I, want, I just wonder who that is. His yeah. initials are SC, and I, I, just, I have no idea who that is. That'd be Greg Polander? Mm, is it Big Stupid? That's got to that be, be who it is. Big Stupid. Big Stupid to the rescue. Big Stupid to the rescue. But yeah, in fact, by the way, if I have a year-end wish for everybody, I would wish that everybody would bring back the following terms that people just don't use anymore. On account of, instead of because. As in, well, I can't ride my bike on account of my back hurts. And calling women toots is in, hey, toots, what time is it? And calling toots. men Mac. Hey, Mac, what time is it? Of course, here in Chicago, everybody's a guy regardless of gender. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and I once asked my wife, why don't people call each other Mac and toots anymore? She said, well, partly because it's not 1893 anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. If you don't like the term toots... Or if you don't like the term Mac, then I guess kiddo could be an appropriate uh, substitution. So, hmm. uh, And I guess my wish for the new year is that uh, people would start using the word Flurzelquirp. Oh, yes, Flurzelquirp. Yes. Um, that, that word has fallen out of usage in recent years, and I would just like to see people start using it again. Yeah. And, of course, combined our Pie Factory podcast wish is that Tinkle Pit would become a household name. And that Uncle Pooh would become... Something or other. Yeah. 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 Anyway, this Uncle is. Uncle Pooh in the Tinkle Pit. Anyway, this is uh, B. What was my name again? B something to Sean. Bedazzled? No, no, no. Um, 
Anyway, this is uh, this is. Uh, oh, Sean. we should get a Bedazzler and Bedazzle our Pie Factory podcast T-shirts. Ooh, with sequins and all that. Ooh, oh. gosh. We'll oh, be the hippest of nerds on the block. Uh, but anyway, the final episode of Pie Factory Podcast for 2017, signing off in the city of Chicago. This is Sean, and I'll talk to you again in 2018. And the other host we have is... This is Jimmy G, and seriously, as I say, we have a lot of fun, but we really do wish everybody hope, health, and happiness for the new year. And love, luck, and lollipops. And a clean tinkle pit. Yes. Wish everybody a clean tinkle pit. Bye-bye. Tinkle. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. We should start using the Watermelon Man music from that movie, too. Dude, I cannot believe, I, I was shocked. Lisa and I were both shocked. We were in Washington, D.C. one, one uh, weekend, and the day we were leaving, we were packing up in the hotel room. We had this really nerdy, like, quiz, like high school quiz bowl show on. Yeah. And uh, one of the teams was St. Anselm out of Georgetown or something. Uh-huh. And they had their school band with them, and they were playing musical bits going in and out of commercial. And one of them, Lisa and I were like, watermelon, man. And they come back in. And that was watermelon, man. Wait, what? That's a real song? Yeah, it's a, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I just loved how the songs in that Mystery Science Theater sounded like other songs. Like, have you ever had to make up your mind? Yeah. <laughs> that's, one of, that's my favorite Mike episode. Yeah, that's my favorite episode, period. All right, I need a second here because I forgot to get some detail here. do 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 you forgot to get detail. That explains why you don't have kids. Ah! Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, then uh, I want to record humor. something. Yesterday, on, when I was walking to the to the Red Line station after work, I almost got run down by a priest, or at least somebody dressed as a priest. He had the Roman collar on and everything. His vroom was right through the crosswalk when I was crossing. I was like, dude. Did I ever tell on the podcast the story of when my car got hit by some nuns that blew a oh. stop sign? Yeah, that was like a week after I met you, I think. Yeah, but that, did I ever say that on the podcast? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if I did. Maybe we should save that for a bonus. Oh. <laughs> and it, the accident wasn't my fault. The, the accident was the fault of the nuns. And uh, long story short, they all piled out. Yeah, I guess this will be the bonus. They all piled out of the car. It was a, the, They were going from the, the Catholic College across US 30 in Joliet, Illinois, to the convent which was only a couple of blocks away, but it was on the other side of a fairly busy street that had kind of a blind curve. They had a stop sign. They proceeded through the intersection. They must not have saw me. They uh, they T-boned my car. Then like four or five nuns pile out of the car, their hands like in folded position as they look around my car, each one of them saying, oh mercy, oh mercy, oh mercy. And their auto insurance company was Sisters of Mercy Auto. Oh, good grief. <laughs> And I am not making a word of that up. There was a laundromat on the corner, and several people came out of the laundromat saying, I saw what happened, man. I saw what happened.
You know what? I wasn't even normally I get mad when I'm in a car accident, but the 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 incident was so bizarre I was laughing the whole damn time. As I probably should have. And there's a classic all in the family episode when Archie was involved in some kind of a car accident. And when he's talking to his attorney, the attorney pretty much walks away from it because he found out that uh, the other party in the lawsuit that his witness was, and I quote, a station wagon filled with nuns. And the lawyer, Archie's lawyer was walking away from it because he says, in a court of law, you cannot beat a station wagon full of nuns. Words of wisdom. Yeah. And I think I just spoiled the ending of a All in the Family episode that's about 45 years old. Anyway, Spoiler so- alert. Spoiler alert. Yep. How, how, how timely is that? So, um, 